Who's wrong and who's wronger? In this corner, followed by Millions James, the exploding unicorn, Breakwell. And in that corner, ignored by Millions, Steve Dosh, Rinko Levers. Good morning, everybody. Today marks an historic event. And James being an English major, he understands why I put the word and there. It is our third week in a row Ooh. of being here all for you. James, I feel like we need to bring out a bottle of fine champagne. I, I Fine, I mean, or grocery store bottom shelf. I mean, what, what is fine, really? Well, in my world, James, fine, including with wine, it, it's anything north of $4. Whoa, four dollars. Yeah. Okay. yeah, no, no, you lost Only me. The you best for you, you lost me. I um, I I, I, can, <laughs> I can do two, and that's about it. <laughs> I'm gonna and I'm gonna have to tap out. Uh, champagne is it's expensive anyway by the ounce, man. You gotta. I guess unless you get like the jug, do they sell the big like double bottles of champagne, or do you have to get the single one? Like my wine, I like the wine to come in a box, but I don't know if they do champagne <laughs> yes. in a box. I feel like that wouldn't keep in the carbonation. I don't know. I drink mine out of like a 7-Up glass with a straw. <laughs> I don't actually like champagne. Mrs. Steve likes champagne a lot, but I don't care for it. It's too dry for me. What do you like? Well, I like carbonation, and I like alcohol, so that, that hits the spot. But if I, <laughs> if I have to do one, I'd rather, I'd rather do light beer. That's, that's my go-to. I have uh, Ever since I started doing uh, carbs again, I have had a renaissance of, uh, of light Ooh. beer, and it, it is just a good time. It is, it is hard to get in trouble with that. It just takes so long to drink, but it keeps you nice and mellow and buzzed, and uh, it makes you feel like you're accomplishing something. You look over there at that stack of empty cans, and you're like, this, this was yeah. a, a day well used of my limited time <laughs> of my finite existence i spend it building this pyramid of aluminum and that is that is to my credit i have wasted nothing here oh boy i remember the days of me well geez i got two stories here one's from last night and then Ooh. i'll get back to it the days of yore but last night we went to an event downtown which i hate going downtown and then when I got there, I realized the food was great and the bar was open and free. Whoa. And a, a millennial at one of these hipster places, because the only people who can afford to live downtown with these $500,000, 900-square-foot condos evidently are like 26-year-olds. <laughs> I don't understand how it all works. But uh, the millennial bartender came over and said, uh, hey, would you like a something blackberry or a something lemonade? And I said, what are those? And he said, well, they're craft beers. And I said, do you have Miller Lite? And he said, is that even beer? And we had a Whoa. whole argument. And I, I ended up tipping the kid because I loved him. But he <laughs> brought me a tall boy of Miller Lite. And I haven't had a tall boy in forever, James. It was a wonderful experience. You and I but that, are going to yeah. have a bonding moment here because I also choose Miller Lite. That is that is my go-to. <laughs> that is that is my that's my guy right there, Miller Lite. Ooh, I call it mother's milk. <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> you know, Bud Light's good, but it's got like an extra twenty or thirty calories, and I can't tell the difference between any of them. So I just go for the yeah, I, right, I, right. I go for the one with fewer <laughs> calories because like every five or six beers, like you can fit an extra beer in there. I mean, that's just that, that's just efficiency. <laughs> that's like buy five get the sixth one. Free. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
But I do remember I used to like drinking it out of bottles. And uh, we, I went through a run where I, I, had, uh, I had a lot, and we used to recycle the bottles. Now there's no recycling out by me. You take a bottle out back and shoot it. <laughs> but we had a garbage can that the bottles were in, and I remember walking with shame from my car to the recycling bin, which is in like a big park and ride parking lot. And when I dumped our recycling, it sounded like I was dumping the remnants of a house party with guns and roses. And I thought, oh, oh, everyone knows what I've been doing. And that did, that was enough to curtail my behavior. It's amazing what social shame will do. And we need more of it nowadays, James. I do feel like there's a lot of stigma that goes along with recycling, which is why I don't do it. You know, I just, I don't need to have quantified how much alcohol I have consumed since the previous week. It doesn't need to be delineated. I need that evidence stuffed in yeah. a big black trash bag where I can't see what's inside it. It is sealed up, it is forgotten, and it is shoved in the trash can outside. And then eventually into a landfill where no one will ever see it again. And a public park will grow over the top of it in 50 years. Yes. You know, there are people who have weddings at landfills now because they just become big, majestic hills. They're the Midwestern mountains. And if you go around like where I am, it's so flat. It is like the only topographical feature there is. I think, I mean, around here, they're building like, a, they're actually, they're literally building a, a park on top of landfill uh, not too far away from here. I mean, it it happens. It's the circle of life. And those empty cans of Miller Lite will one day, yeah. you know, become fuel for a tree. And it'll be infused <laughs> with aluminum, so it'll be it'll be immune to lightning and it'll live a thousand years. I mean it's just good for everybody. They actually made a ski hill out of one in Wisconsin in a, a town called Oconomowoc. That you can see it from the freeway. I ninety four, there's all flat, and then a big hill rises up and it's a ski hill. It it was a landfill at one time. So what I'm getting here is that trash is yeah. a good thing and we should pollute yeah. more. Like that's that's the message. We we have good content here. We are we are spreading the word <laughs> to save the earth by destroying it and then building hills because that's what we need. We need trash hills and the parks that they create. Man, years ago we lived out in the country in a different part of Nashville and they actually had a dump. Like now I go when I call the dump the dump where we go now, it's more like there's a, a big uh like a, a giant construction dumpster that uh, we just throw our bags into and then they haul that off every couple three days whenever it fills up. Where they haul it off to is the real dump. Now, having said that, where we used to live like years ago in my, like in, in 1998, but we went to the real dump. And it was funny, they had uh, one big construction dumpster for like household garbage, you mm -hmm. threw bags in there. Everything else you had to get weighed in and you paid by the pound. So if you were throwing away a refrigerator, you'd pull up in your truck and they'd weigh it. And then they'd yank the refrigerator off the back and then you weigh your truck again. And the <laughs> difference you paid like a penny a pound or something like that. but. After we, we had a flood in 2000, and after the flood, they started letting people go back where the real dumping took place because there was so much. They just couldn't keep up with it, and they didn't charge people. But here's the point. It didn't matter what you were dumping, whether it was household garbage or a couch or a refrigerator or a dead body. 
all of it got shoved off the back of a hill at some point and landed at the bottom of the hill. There was no distinction between what kind of garbage. Did they separate cardboard from plastic from glass? Did they separate dead bodies from couches? No, it was all shoved off the back of this hill. And that is the secret of country living, James. It really sounds like a paradise. You are you are painting a majestic <laughs> picture. We will all relocate there someday. I am I am sure of it. Yeah. Well, James, speaking of pretty pictures, we have a few news items to discuss. Mm. One of them, and I never thought I would articulate this sentence out loud, but how is your butt? <laughs> well, I'm I'm sitting here currently. If I don't move too much, it's not too bad. I'd, I'd say the pain is okay. a two out of three right. at the moment. But yes, that was uh, for those of you who made the mistake of not subscribing to my newsletter. Uh, I almost <laughs> died again out of nowhere, completely unexpected, stupidest thing that has ever hospitalized me in my entire oh my life. God. And given the last 12 months, that is that is saying something. Man, <laughs> I just got some good company. Yes, I uh, yeah. You know what? Though, well, now I'll just give a brief overview for the the ten people. They, like, I feel like if it, you... it's worth the newsletter. By the way, subscribe yeah. to his newsletter. It is worth it. Yeah, I feel like the overlap between the newsletter and the podcast is probably one to one. But in case there's somebody who's not in both groups, yeah, I had a uh, of all things, it was a hair follicle on my left butt cheek <laughs> that uh, became infected, like with a pimple type thing. I thought it was maybe a hemorrhoid or something the pain wasn't too bad the first day i ignored it by day two i thought it was getting better i thought no big deal day three woke up it was pretty bad toughed it out through the day end of the day got so bad i was like i have to go to immediate care and uh oh. man it just went downhill fast and that thing from go it went from nothing to an abscess the size of a yeah. man's fist in three in three days that's how that's how bad it was i was in septic shock they had to put me under general anesthesia Jesus knock me God. out i was in the hospital from friday night through sunday at noon and now i have an open wound because you cannot have something the size of your fist grow in your body in three days and then disappear and not leave behind some damage so the cavity <laughs> it left behind is no longer the size of a man's fist it has collapsed somewhat but it is not healed it is still there it is a lingering wound oh like God. i have never pondered the term wound like you know you wounded me like you hurt me a little bit they're damaged like oh. it was interchangeable i never understood the actual meaning of wound like it is a lingering gap in your body like you have been you have been pierced by a lance and then some some fair maiden has to come and tend to your wounds every day as you convalesce except oh, mine God bless that poor maiden oh. is on my butt and like currently they measured it the other day i have to go in for wound care every wednesday to make sure i'm taking care of this thing and oh. I, have to, I have to leave it open so it can heal from the inside yeah. out yeah. Yeah. and so the bad stuff can seep out now mind you inside of me is only bad stuff but they're only lift yeah. interested Ooh. in like the liquid bad stuff not it's you know my soul yeah. and all that so yeah it's currently two centimeters by two centimeters by three centimeters which is a, I mean, that's just that's a sizable bad. gap in my, you know, in my butt. It's just in there. And every day, my poor wife, I can't reach back there. I can't see what's going on. She has to go in there every day and pull out the old gauze and no! stick in new gauze. And let me tell you, let me tell you, that process is just spectacular for both of us. Okay? This is... I mean, there's just got to be there's just got to be a little bit of mystery in marriage. Like I know we've got four kids, we've been together since we were 18, but there are some things like 
There's just parts of me, it's like, you're never going to get up close and personal with that. She didn't want to get up close and personal with that. Like, there's some areas that are just off limits. Not anymore. Oh, my gosh. Every morning, man. That's that's how we kick off our day. Oh, this this is my life. And the thing is, this thing, it could take four weeks. It could take six weeks. It could take eight weeks. I mean, that is, think about how slowly skin grows. So, so an abscess, apparently, can grow from yeah. nothing to gigantic in a matter of days. Because bacteria is just superior to the human body. The human body, however, to heal up the remaining wound is going to take weeks and weeks growing like a tree, you know, like tiny little rings at a time closing this gap up. Uh, so, yeah, so that's that's what we're dealing with now. Um, it doesn't, like, by the end of the day, it doesn't hurt too much. But then we start off the next day, we got to yank out the old gauze and shove yeah. in the new gauze. And, <laughs> Thank you and for th- revisiting that. Then yeah. I'm then I'm not feeling so great. And then I go and I sit on that wounded butt to talk to you. That's, that's where we're at, Steve. That's where we're at. <sighs> well, <clears throat> I've spent way too much time thinking about your butt this week. And now I realize uh, it, it, it did not prepare me for what just happened. Oh. <sighs> It did not prepare any of us. Like, okay, we were, I was getting ready to leave the hospital. You know, I, I was, you know, there was a lot of blood and things. I wasn't thinking about it. That's just what you do in the hospital. You go there, you almost die, you bleed, or you have a few laughs, you go home. That's, you know, that's the routine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, right, they're life, yeah. getting ready to discharge me, and I'm like, yeah, that's over. Thank goodness, never thinking about that again. But like, by the way, guess what you're doing every day? <laughs> Are you kidding me? This is like the, you know, the, the moment at the end of a horror movie where you think the monster's dead, and you open your closet door and it's still there and then you cut to credits like that's what this was like the, yeah, the dangers passed you send your wife to kill the monster yes it's like danger's over go home you're good by the way your life's gonna <laughs> suck like what what is this i lived is there no reward for this there is not steve the reward for living is ongoing pain that's where we're at I believe someone needs to write a letter to the Pope so Lola gets canonized <laughs> even before death, which I, it may be unprecedented, but it's well-deserved. It, you know, she, she deserves better than this. She really, she really does. She, she <laughs> rose to the that. occasion. She just, she doesn't complain. She just does it. Like she wants me to survive. I don't, I don't get it. I would have, I would have bolted long ago, but you know what, you know what the, 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 the best thing about this is the feather of my cap from all this is I have had no less than four women message me individually and say they also had butt abscesses what? and in their experience, it was more painful than childbirth. I have gone through something, Steve. I've, have you ever had any woman credit you with something like that? Say, boy, what you went through is worse than childbirth. I've had them say this. And mind you, this was the second time I've gone into septic shock. The first time was with my appendix. Neither one yeah. was particularly enjoyable. Recently, by the way. Yeah, in the last 12 months, twice in septic shock. But if I were to quantify it, I think the first time in septic shock probably hurt worse than the second time. Really? So, I've been through something worse than childbirth twice now, so uh, so go me. And also, also that was I, I'm now kind of scared of pain in general because it turns out that uh, yeah. modern pain medicine just uh, just doesn't cut it. I don't, you know, you are like, oh yeah, you get to the hospital and you're fine, and they drug you up. Like it, 
it did nothing. It didn't stop it, Steve. It did not stop the pain. An abscess is more powerful than fentanyl than morphine. Like, what do you do? Like, you roll into the hospital, you got a gunshot. It's like, oh, they gave you the morphine. You're fine. No, it doesn't do it, Steve. It's worse than it's worse Your than pain that. Was like, bitch, please. Oh, and right through the pain medicine. It w- I mean, like, it helps some. So when I was so like, uh. as I went into septic shock overnight. So they they gave me a little bit of antibiotic, or they gave me antibiotics but apparently it wasn't enough to like slow down the mass that was growing because i kept getting worse overnight as they just kind of left me in bed they were they were pretty cavalier about it it's like ah you're getting taken care of at seven in the morning no big deal and so i just they didn't even hook up like a heart monitor to me in there like if i had (laughs) if i had died in the night it would have taken him two or three hours to notice i definitely felt pretty close to death there for a while uh but yeah have you checked on breakwell nah nah he should be fine and then oh. the next morning they find you yeah. on the floor crawling toward the doorway but died in your tracks. But they would, you know, I'd get the morphine and be like, hey, maybe I can, you know, sleep fitfully for 15 minutes at a time if I absolutely don't move. <laughs> but if you move, the pain just shoots all the way up. But that morphine, when it oh. goes in intravenously, like, it wears off fast. So it's like, all right, I got an hour of reduced pain. And then two hours of full-fledged regular pain, but then you can get morphine again for one more hour of fitful sleep, and then boom, right back to where it started. Uh, it was a bad time, Steve. So I guess all in all, uh, hair follicles are the enemy. Wax your body regularly and just don't take any chances because uh, I'm never doing that again. Man, so a few thoughts. One, I didn't know women had hair on their butts in the first place. <laughs> so you're, you're talking to like chicks from Jersey apparently that emailed you about that stuff but uh, number two you just to put this into perspective for people james had MRSA, which is flesh-eating bacteria like that's the bad stuff Wait. and i know what? what 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 where where is you getting MRSA from you didn't have MRSA? no i've never heard I, i've not heard i think if i had MRSA, i'd be dead I don't think it was MRSA. Well, that's why it was a condition critical. What did they say you have? The bacteria has to have a name or they didn't know it how to does, treat it. It does, but they didn't, they're culturing it. Like, they, they don't even know what it was yet. So they, they took a bunch of samples and were like, yeah, we're going to go spin this up and see what's in you. In the meantime, just take all the antibiotics. So, like, they gave yeah, me a general they, course. Like, I think flesh-eating bacteria, like, that's where you come out of the hospital without a leg, right? Not necessarily. Not if they catch it. That's what MRSA is. And anyway, just... By next week, you'll have the results, right? I hope so. I, I would like to be pleasantly surprised. You never find out till like, after the fact how bad things are. Like, I didn't know I was in septic shock till I was leaving the hospital. Like, by the way, you know why you felt so bad? Here's what happened. Or, like, you know, that it was the size of my fist. I can't see my own butt. I didn't know what was going on back there. Actually, well, the... I can, and it's nothing to write home about. Yeah. But I... how do you think you went from nothing to a size of a man's fist unless it was flesh-eating bacteria? Like, think... that stuff moves with the speed of light. You couldn't have waited two more days. No, I couldn't have. And it was, but I don't think it was, fle- it was like, it was basically just a giant pimple. I think that's essentially what it is, just with the bacteria thriving inside of it. It was all trapped in there. And people are like, well, how did you not go to the hospital sooner? And it's like, well, first of all, I'm 38. Like, you can't fly to the doctor every time you have a minor twinge of pain. You would ne- literally never leave the doctor's office. But second of all, like, if you have, like, a 1 out of 10 pain, well, I don't have a primary care doctor in the first place. But, like, you can't usually get in right away. Like, I've got 1 out of 10 pain. It's like, let me clear my schedule. Like, usually it's going to take them a few days to see you anyway. Uh, and the pain curve was also exponential. So, day one hurt some 
Day two oh. hurts a little more, but then by the end of the day, like, it eased off. I thought it was getting better. Day three yeah. was severe, but I was like, but day two was better. What is this? And then, like, the last few hours, it really ranked, uh, you know, ramped up. It's kind of nuts because uh, I went to the gym, like, before this. I, cause I, the first two days, I went to the gym, and it actually helped. It took my mind off it. I felt a little better afterwards. Day three, I went there. It was my final act before going into immediate care, and I couldn't sit on any of the machines. I was in so much pain. And I went back and looked at my logs yesterday it was like you know what it wasn't really that bad of a workout i'm looking through at my numbers it's like this is four hours before i went into septic shock like i was i was very i was, I was very close to the curve where this went from i can sort of function to i am almost dead and i was in there pushing weights like this is the most important thing right now uh but yeah it just like i could not i, I don't know what would happened if i would not have gone to immediate care like I would have had to have called an ambulance in the middle of the night because the pain was was simply unbearable. I, like in the middle of the night, on the IV, on the antibiotics, on the painkillers, I got up and walked five feet from the hospital bed to the bathroom, and yeah. uh, it nearly wiped me out. Like I was drenched yeah. in sweat. I felt like I was going to throw up. I walked back, and then I checked the counter, and I still had two more hours to go till I could get more morphine. So uh, yeah, it was, <laughs> it was a good night. <laughs> good night. Uh. I know. Now we exaggerate things. We get hyperbolic to make things funny. But when James said he has almost died twice, he is being literal with that. Like this is a very serious. Both of these, the appendix back, uh, I don't know, ten minutes ago, and now this, which uh, might or might not be MRSA, whatever it was. When you get a general anesthetic and they rush you into surgery, that is not a let's wait and see what happens kind of moment. And it's James. Really yeah, go for it. And it's not, you know, okay, so it is hard to die from an abscess in 2023. Like, if this were 1800, people drop dead from this kind of stupid stuff all the time. Like, back before they really had good general anesthetics, like, I probably was not going to die. But at the same time, like, if I had been, like, on a camp out somewhere and not got medical treatment, I don't know, maybe. It was, uh, I was not feeling good. I... I do not know how my body would have fought that out on its own. It was not doing a good job. I will say that much. If there if there were some biological defenses I had left, I don't know why I wasn't using them. I just, my body sucks, Steve. Like, why would you let something grow like that? Like, hey, this thing's growing out of control. Better just ignore it. <laughs> what? Why do I even have white blood cells, Steve? What are they doing? Well, I, you can dress them down at the at the meeting, the staff meeting you have later. But these are the kind of things where if you'd have had that in your ankle, you might have lost your foot oh, kind man. of thing. And the problem with where it was located is it's very close to all of the vital stuff that you need to live. Like uh, you've already had with your appendix that kind of nastiness near your vital organs. And that's that's nothing to screw with. Yeah, and then the the best part is I'm probably going to get C. diff again. Like, the surgeons are, it was like, yeah, I don't think you'll get it again. And he, he just kind of based that what? on, you know, hope, I guess. <laughs> but every time you something can... like this has come up, C. diff always comes roaring back. So the way C. diff works is you take antibiotics, and it just kills everything good in your system. But C. diff, like, yeah. goes into these hardened bunkers and just hangs out. And then when, like, everything's dead, it just kind of crawls back out into the post-apocalyptic <laughs> landscape. It's like, hey, like Pennywise. we can take out, it's like, it's like, cockroaches after the nuclear war like hey we're gonna take yeah. over and so i'm currently like 
still in the active nuclear war stage. Like we're still dropping bombs, everything's still dead, the C. diff's still hiding, but uh, that antibiotic's gonna stop in two days and I'm pretty sure my C. diff's gonna come roaring back. But I already called my C. diff doctor, I've got a nice hat to poop in, <laughs> and as soon as the diarrhea starts, I can get that sample turned in and we'll see, maybe I can get fecal transplant number two. So man, things uh... are spectacular in my world right now, let me tell you. You know, the good news for all of our viewers and during this episode, there's very little that viewers are happy about. <laughs> but it's that uh, you have said two things in your life are actually more painful than doing this show. So I, I guess Whoa. now that you have perspective, you may even come back next week. I, I will go on record and say that doing wrong and wronger hurts uh -huh. less than nearly dying in septic shock. I will, I will lay wow. that down. It is the nicest thing I can say to you. Wow, write this down, people. Where were you when Breakwell said that? I want you to remember what you were wearing, who you were with, what the weather was like. This is one of those Challenger exploding, white Bronco chase, Twin Towers coming down, one of those kind of flashbulb societal moments. I uh, I stole the stage, Steve. I was sit here, sitting here just yeah. relishing in yet another near-death experience, but you did prep work for this episode. I believe you printed off comments from last week, and I have not even <laughs> left you time, and we are going to get to those comments, because I'm sure there's two, maybe three of them, and I would hate to shortchange them. I'm going to bring them back next week because... Uh, I don't know that these people still feel the same way after this episode, oh. James. Let, let me just say they gushed with gratitude that we were back. And I'm fairly certain they're not even watching anymore because I, for a while I couldn't. I was horrified. But I did want to take the last 30 seconds and hold up my copy of the book that just came out called MTV Famous. James delivered his in a pizza box, but I've got <laughs> mine right here for you in front of God and everyone and wrong and wronger. Pete Evick's story. He's out with the Brett Michaels band in Party Gras with Night Ranger and Jefferson Starship, but you'll hear all about it if you get a copy of MTV Famous. There, that was my blurb, James. That was an excellent blurb. You should buy his book. Absolutely. Buy all the books. Buy his, buy mine, buy, I don't know, buy somebody else's. Because you know what? Books help pay yeah. for medical expenses. And eventually, <laughs> it will be Steve's turn. Because if you look at that man, he has far more hair what? than I what? do. Far more hair than the average gorilla. And uh, if this can what? take me down, it surely will come for Steve eventually. So please, buy his book and help keep him alive. Buy the book and help keep me alive. We, I need a new slug line. I like that one a little bit better. Yeah. All right. I, do you have anything to add? Because I got to walk everyone out of here. I, I, are, are you going to survive until next week? I, this stuff keeps coming out of nowhere. So I, uh, I cannot guarantee my own survival, but nothing in this life is guaranteed. <laughs> uh, I would like to think I'll stick around just because it is an inconvenience to my wife. The longer I live, the more time she has to pack <laughs> oh me full God, of gauze. So an uh, understatement. Yeah, yeah. I can't imagine the smell coming out of no. that abscess as she yanks the gauze out. Yes, ah, I am. This, it, she can't. She she can't love you anymore, James. It's I, just not possible. I will not have you disparage my cleanliness. I am very clean. <laughs> it is a very hygienic seeping wound, and that is the last I will say of it. <laughs> well, if you want more scintillating and odiferous <laughs> content like this, please tune in again next week. And I don't know if I'll be here because I. 
this now has become the most painful thing in my life because I haven't almost died. But if all of us do reconvene next week, we will see you then. And until we come face to phone one more time and regale you with stories of Breakwell's butt. This is Steve Olivas, Dr. Steve for the Seeping Unicorn, James Breakwell, saying thanks for listening, thanks for watching, and remember, as always, two wrongs can make a right.